0: morning reading Psalm 34 verses 1 through 8 so if you want to read that with me you can go ahead and pull it up it says I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth my soul makes its boast in the Lord let the humble hear and be glad Oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let's stand and worship together.
1: be here. You may go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, Hey, we are finally back in this room. Pretty cool, huh? Now, I know we left the pink just to be a little nostalgic, all right? But if you have a piece of furniture you'd like to have covered in dusty rows, come see me this week, uh, as we'll actually be refinishing all of the pews this coming week. So we're pretty excited about that and uh, having this uh, project finished. But most importantly, I am really glad that you are here worshiping with us today and can I say if you're a guest I am excited that you are here as well. My name is Rob Zimmerman and I'm the lead pastor here at the church and uh, we would love the opportunity to just help you get connected into the life of this family and uh, one of the easy ways to do that is to fill out a connection card. You can find these in the pews uh, in front of you and so I'd encourage you if you're a guest take a moment to fill that out. It is a great way to get connected into the community of Westgate Chapel and And uh, when you fill that out, what I would actually ask you to do is to take it at the close of our service out into uh, the main entrance where we have our guest services center. And uh, you can exchange that card for a small uh, gift bag, if you will, that's got a lot of information about our ministries in the church, but also some small gifts just to say thank you for being here. So please be sure to stop by. And uh, also regular attenders, as always, I'd encourage you to fill out the connect card, uh, write your prayer requests, on the back of it. We love to pray for you every single week, and you can drop that uh, in the offering buckets a little bit later in the service. We have a lot of things that are going on around the church. We kicked off a lot of fall classes this morning that I know many of you were a part of. Very excited about that, but there are a few other things that we want to make sure you are aware of that are coming up here very shortly, and so we've got a small announcement video that we'd love you to watch. Cast your eyes to the screen.
2: Good morning, and welcome to Westgate Chapel. My name is Adrienne, and I'm on the worship team here at Westgate. We are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us this morning. Here are a few of the important things we want to highlight for you this week. Baptism Sunday is coming up on November 5th. Are you interested in being baptized or learning more about baptism? Come and join a two week class that will provide biblical and church historical context to baptism, including why believers get baptized today. Baptism class starts October 15th. Is your child asking big questions about faith or expressing an interest in being baptized? Kid Faith is a three week class that puts parents in the driver's seat as we navigate conversations about faith and basic theological principles. Parents will walk their child through a kid-friendly workbook and will participate in a group setting as we bring these truths to life through fun activities and discussion. Kid Faith class starts October 8th. Learn more and register for these classes on the Westgate app or westgatechapel.org/events. Several weeks ago, we had the opportunity to connect with our local partners. During Partnership Sunday, we heard powerful stories about how God is working through ministries such as Bella Vita, That Neighborhood Church, Water for Ishmael, Crew, Young Life, Keep Watch Prayer, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and Global Opportunities. Many of you took the opportunity to get to know our partners and learn more about how you could get involved in serving. There are still many opportunities available to use your gifts to bless others this season. Whether you're an individual looking to lend a helping hand, a life group eager to bond through service, or friends who share a passion for giving, there's a role that perfectly aligns with your availability and interests. Learn more at westgatechapel.org slash just a reminder that mom life kicks off this week on wednesday at 9:30 a.m mom life is a brand new ministry for moms of preschoolers birth to kindergarten and will be a place to grow new friendships and be encouraged as we talk about real things that really matter mom life meets every first and third wednesday of the month check out the westgate app for more info Thanks again for joining us. It's going to be a great morning of worshiping together. Enjoy the service.
1: As our fall ministries are kicked off, and so we hope that this will give you an opportunity again to connect into uh, the life of our church. And with that being said, we would love for you to take a moment and find somebody here in the room that you have not said hello to yet this morning. Stand on up and welcome them to the service.
3: It is good to be back together. Amen. Amen. Before we continue singing together, and I did this a little differently in the first service, but I want to say it now. So, so many of you have come up to me in the last few weeks and months and said how much you love being closer together and tighter together in the gym. That was great, right? rubbing we were rubbing elbows with people we didn't even know so um and i love that and maybe you're in here today and you're like wow fancy new shiny lots of stuff <laughs> um but the reality is our god hasn't changed has he he's the same god in there that he is in here right It doesn't matter. God still wants you to experience him. He still wants to be changed. He still wants you to be changed by him, by his love. And so this morning, as we continue to worship him, I just want to invite you just to bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes. Just ask God, God, move in me. God, I'm here. listen to you I'm here to worship you just open yourself up into these next few moments here was redeemed only beauty remains and my orphan heart was given a
4: name my morning grew quiet my feet rose to dance when death was arrested
3: in my life
4: over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you.
3: Release from my chains, I'm a prisoner. darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost
4: but I didn't know but that's when know. Jesus arose with
3: God is good. Amen.
4: you I surrender
1: with me as we uh, prepare to take our morning offering. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you again so much for uh, the many blessings that you have poured out into our lives, the way, Father, in which you uh, have consistently provided for every single need that we have. And Lord, we come to you this morning in this time of offering truly as a, as a way to say thank you and to worship you because of your faithfulness, because of your provision, but as well, Lord, because our heart's desire as part of our worship is to be a part of the work that you are doing in spreading the gospel throughout this community and throughout the world. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take our offerings this morning, and I ask, God, that you would multiply them. But, Father, not multiply them in the sense of more resources, that you would multiply them, Father, and more people coming to a saving knowledge of your son. That, Lord, you would use what we give, Lord, to bring more people into your kingdom. And thank you, God, for allowing us to be a part of that work. We give you praise, we give you thanks, and we give you worship this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, We have our buckets that are here in the middle aisles. And if you would take them, you can just pass them out during this time of offering. And in a few moments, we'll jump into God's word together. Excellent. Well, it is, uh, again, good to be here together again. Uh, Again, as I mentioned, we're hoping to have the majority of the work done in here. Uh, Potentially the balcony will be open uh, next week, but uh, you balcony dwellers, enjoy being down here in the conviction zone, okay? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. So, there's still seats up front, too. You can get a whole lot closer, but uh, just playing with you. Um, Hey, it is good to be together again this week, and uh, as you know, uh, and if you are new here with us and haven't been with us uh, last week, we are going through a vision series together, uh, and uh, we have been in the midst of a five-year vision uh, together. We're entering into the second year of that, and uh, it is entitled Deep Roots and Broad Reach. Our Deep Roots, Broad Reach, and initiative. And uh, last week as we began this, we talked about the first part of that vision, which we call deep roots. And we talked about this. If you have your sermon notes, uh, I'd encourage you also to pull those out. You can follow along with me this morning. But last week's big idea uh, was this, is that roots are essential to give, grow, and produce life. And you'll remember that when we started, we used uh, the image of a banyan tree that uh, was in Maui. Uh, As you guys know, we we talked about there was a gift that was given by uh, missionaries from India uh, to King Kamehameha and his wife back in the 1800s, uh, and it was a banyan tree, and they, they had it, they planted it there, and it has become something very, very significant for that community, and with the tragedy of the fire that had taken place and all of the incredible destruction, the tree itself was completely scorched and left in a, in a place where people really wondered if it would last, which was so heartbreaking because it was so meaningful for that community. But as we talked about it, the deep roots of that tree actually seem to be preserving its life. The fact that it has grown immensely, uh, they have found that even with its branches being scorched and some of them being burned, that there is new life that is continuing to grow, that there is sap moving throughout uh, the tree, and they're hopeful that it is going to last. And we used this as an example to talk about what it is that we mean when we talk about being rooted in Christ. You remember that we took a look together at Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, where Paul says these words. He says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. How? Rooted and built up in him. Established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And as we dug into what Paul meant, he used a similar analogy of a tree and its roots in order to help us to understand the Christian life in a more deep and meaningful way. And we talked about these two things. One is that developing deep roots in Christ, in the way that Paul talks about it, means that he is the source and foundation of our spiritual nourishment, our growth, and fruit. That as we grow in Christ, in the Christian life, it is essential that we are connected and rooted in him, for he is the one that provides the growth. And letter B, we also talked about our being rooted in Christ. It's not something that was designed to take place in isolation from others. One of the ways that we often think about our own personal growth is, is it's just me and Jesus. And in the culture that we live in today, we are so individualistic at times that we forget that the way that God created us to grow was to grow in community. That's why he created his church. It's the reason that as we talk about our five-year vision as a church, seeking to grow deep roots in Christ, we also wanna grow deep roots with each other in community with each other because we recognize that is how God intends for us to grow best in community with each other, where we can challenge each other, encourage each other, provide accountability for one another. It's the reason in our five-year vision that we have been talking about the emphasis of life groups. One of our goals over five years is to have 80% plus of our congregation in small groups doing life together, growing with one another. And we shared last week that we are at about 55-ish percent of our congregation already involved. And so the goal is 80 over the next four years. And I can't encourage you enough, if you're not involved in this type of community, it is such a meaningful way to connect into life with other people, to be known, but also to grow deeper in your faith with Jesus. And so I challenge you, whether you've been at Westgate a short time or a long time, and if you're not in a small group, get connected. Think about getting connected into one of those groups. We actually have a life group signup event that is taking place today. You probably saw it when you came in. Over across from the cafe, we have many of our life group leaders that are out there. Uh, you can get connected into a group that is already functioning, one that is new and starting. You can even just put your name down on a list and say, I'd like to hear more and learn more information and see about getting connected. So I'd encourage you to stop by and check that out today. But as we dive into the second part of our five-year vision this morning... We have been talking about deep roots, but this morning we're going to begin talking about having a broad reach. And again, I would draw your mind back to that banyan tree in Maui. I'll remind you that last week I very briefly told you that as this tree was planted as a gift from missionaries from India there in in Lahaina, at the time, it was only about eight feet in diameter. Now, here's a picture up on the screen of what that potentially looked like, a, a small banyan tree. This was the type of tree that was given and planted. But here's what's incredible about it. As the roots began to sink down into the ground and find their nourishment from the 1800s until today, and even just before the fires, this is what that tr- one of the images of what that tree looked like. It has grown to over two-thirds of an acre in size. It is incredible. And as it grows, it actually grows more roots out that go sink and sink deeper into the ground as well that even come from the top of the tree down. It's an incredible thing to think about and behold. And as you think about the growth that has taken place... And the reach that has taken place is the canopy of this tree has stretched to where now it's not just a small sapling, but it is something that people gather under. They have their parties under. It is impactful in that regard. Our big idea this morning as we talk about having a broad reach is simply this. Strong, healthy trees naturally produce canopies. Sorry, strong, healthy trees naturally produce canopies of leaves that are far-reaching in their impact of others. I want you to think about this in terms of us as a church having a broad, deep roots and a broad reach what we believe here at Westgate is this, is that as we grow deep roots in our relationship with Christ and also with each other, we believe that the natural outflow will be a broad reach to our neighbors and the nations for the sake of the gospel. That as we yield our hearts to the Lord and we grow deeper in him, that he naturally produces within us a passion for the things that he is passionate about in reaching more people with the gospel. And yet, even as we think about that I have been thinking about how often there are so many different things in life that can hinder our impact and our reach as followers of Christ. This morning I want us to take a look at an encounter that Jesus has with one of the religious leaders and then he shares with him a parable and you'll see there in your notes your first fill-in is that the parable of the Good Samaritan that we'll look at this morning actually reveals what hinders our impact in the lives of other people. So if you have your Bibles, look with me at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. It says this. It says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and all of your mind. And your neighbor is yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the religious leader, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Well, who is my neighbor? Now, One of the interesting things as we think about this is that there is a, it says that he's a lawyer in many translations of scripture, but he essentially was serving as a scribe, one of the religious leaders of that day, someone who knew scripture very well. In other words, he wasn't just some guy asking a question that he didn't necessarily know the answer to. The text actually tells us that he was seeking to put Jesus to the test. In other words, to see what Jesus would say and how he would answer this question about how it is that one would receive eternal life life and it's interesting because letter a in your notes what i see is that from the very beginning the lawyer's question actually reveals a fatal flaw in his thinking think about it the question that he asks is what shall i do in order to inherit eternal life now this is a legitimate question it's a legitimate question you might think oh it's illegitimate because you know he's trying to put Jesus to the test but it's a legitimate question this is a question that Jewish people of that day were constantly asking and wanting to know the answer to a legitimate question what shall I do to inherit eternal life literally though if you translate it literally from the Greek its best reading is what thing must I do In other words, in one regard, it actually sounds like this religious leader believes that somehow he is seeking to earn his own salvation. And what Jesus does is he responds as a normal rabbi would would do. He doesn't just give him an answer. He looks at him and says, well, what do you see in the scriptures? What do you believe? This would be kind of common course conversation that would happen between religious leaders and rabbis. And it tells us that as we look at the text that the scribe or the lawyer responds with what is known as the Shema from the Old Testament, that you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and that you should love your neighbor as yourself. And what is Jesus' reply? You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But then it tells us that he, seeking to justify himself. In other words, there was something about this religious leader that was looking when he asks the question, well, who is my neighbor? Is looking to puff himself up and to show himself to be righteous as though there is some great things that he has accomplished and he has done. It's intriguing when you read it because this was a mark of the religious leaders in the New Testament that they loved to puff themselves up with their own personal righteousness, believing that somehow they had attained to something that other people had not. And what we come to understand, letter B, is that doing good deeds for others was his understanding of God's commandment. It was all about what he needed to do. I want you to catch the importance of this because sometimes I think in the Christian life, we often fall into this same trap. We view our walk with God through this lens of what I need to do in order to be a good Christian. In other words, I need to go out and share my faith or I need to go out and I need to serve and I need to do certain things in the church or maybe out in the community because that's what a good Christian does. So I got to make some space for it in my life. But I want you to catch something because I think sometimes when we have taught this passage, not here at Westgate, but when people have taught this passage, that we actually get it wrong. Because so many times, people teach it this way. Note this. The parable is not mainly about helping people in need. When we talk about the parable that Jesus is gonna tell to answer this man's question about who is my neighbor, it is not about just simply the fact that we need to now go out and help people in need, as though we add something to our Christian checklist. What I want you to see as you turn in your notes and you go to the next fill-in is this, is that the parable of the Good Samaritan actually reveals to us a much deeper truth about the driving force behind our impact in the lives of other people. In Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37, this is how Jesus responds to his question of, well, who then is my neighbor? Jesus replies with a parable. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Jesus asked, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed mercy. And so Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. It's interesting as you think about this encounter that Jesus has, and he begins to answer the question with a story that he begins by saying that there was this man who went on a journey, a long journey. As he's on this journey, these robbers come, they take everything that he has, they strip him and leave him for dead on the road. And as he's laying there dead, who comes by? A priest and a Levite. It almost feels like some kind of weird joke is gonna get told, right? <laughs> priest and a Levite walk into a bar. Okay, anyway, sorry. Not in church, Rob, not in church. Um a priest and a Levite come by. Now, for the guy that was listening, this religious leader, you know, here we go. Two, two, two good Jews walking by. You know, you might expect that one of them would stop to help this man. Now, nobody tells us what this man was, where he came from, what his background was. But he's just a man on the side of the road. But it tells us, and Jesus uses the story to say, like, look, at these two guys came. They see him, and yet they just keep on going doesn't say why maybe they didn't want to get involved maybe they were fearful for their own life maybe they didn't want to hassle with trying to take care of who knows what their story was but what Jesus says next would have been the most shocking thing that he could have said to this religious leader these guys didn't stop but who did a Samaritan and that man's jaw I can only imagine must have actually hit the floor when Jesus says this what do you mean a Samaritan a Samaritan is the one that did this You see, letter A, the use of a Samaritan in the parable, what it actually does is it exposed the boundaries of the Jewish people's capacity to love. The Jews had a distinct hatred for Samaritans. In their day, I know we love dogs and we love to have dogs. Well, some people love to have dogs in their home, not me, Uh, but... uh, Some people love dogs. In that day, dogs were not something that you just had in your home. They were the drudge of society. Literally, they saw Samaritans as Jews as lower than dogs. There was nothing good about them, there was nothing good. That a Samaritan could do. And when Jesus uses this illustration and he says that the Samaritan is the one that stops to help this man, it would have sent a shock through this man because there was no doubt that in his own heart, his hatred for Samaritans got in the way of his capacity to love. They had love for their fellow Jews, but they had no love for other people outside of that space. And Jesus embellishes his story as he continues to say how the Samaritan gave of himself and his own possessions and everything he could to make sure that this man was taken care of. And then he asks the poignant question of the man which one of these three do you believe proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And I want you to see something about this passage that we often miss. Letter B The lawyer, when he asks the question, who is my neighbor? The lawyer and Jewish people saw neighbor as a noun. Write that down. Psalm is a noun. Who was a neighbor? Your neighbor was a person or people. The Jews interpreted the idea of who their neighbor was in terms of members of the same people or religious community. In other words, people that were just like them fellow Jews. The Pharisees were known to exclude foreigners. They were known to exclude uh, even Samaritans from this mandate that was in scripture to love your neighbor. A Samaritan was not your neighbor. They were not your people. It was a very narrow definition But what I want you to catch is Jesus is going to correct this man because while he saw neighbor as a very specific noun with very tight parameters, what does Jesus do when he asks this question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? Letter C, for Jesus' neighbor is a verb. One does not have a neighbor, one becomes a neighbor. The phrase to love your neighbor actually meant directly the neighbor, a neighbor is someone who is near, a person with one whom has something to do with. In other words, somebody that has come into your circle of life, and anyone and everyone who would come, your life would come into contact with, was considered to be your neighbor. And what Jesus wants him to understand is that a neighbor isn't about who the person is, Jesus says we are to be good neighbors. And he changes the complete emphasis away from a focus on who are the small group of people that I need to be caring for and opening up and saying, who does your life touch that God would have you to make an impact in their life? No matter who they are at any time. You see, The parable is not about the fact that we need to somehow serve more or go out and put a checklist down of going out and doing more to be a good Christian. Letter D, what is it? The parable is about our need for a new heart. And this is the emphasis that Jesus has with this religious leader, but that he has for us as well. The parable is about our need for a new heart. Number one, a heart that is filled to the brim with undivided love for God, that you would love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, with all of your very being, with all of your fabric, that he would be first, that there would be nothing before him to such a place that you love him so deeply that it is God himself who guides and directs the the direction of your life. With everything that you do and everything that you choose and everything that you bring in, it is through the lens of God being the one that you have undivided love for. And why is this so important? Why is this in the Shema? Why is this in this passage? Because I believe that it is very clear in this passage that when we have a deep love for God in that way, that there is a natural outflow. And it is this, is that a heart that is filled to the brim with undivided love for God, number two, results in an unselfish love for other people that when we align our heart to God's heart for us and for people that don't know Christ that his heart and his love becomes ours and we naturally join him in his mission it's the reason that for so many years we've been talking at here at Westgate Chapel about neighboring You see, we see neighboring not as a, hey, I've got a checklist thing to do in my life where I need to go share my faith or I need to do something kind or share Jesus' love with somebody as as some form of religiosity. It's a joy that we have to join Jesus and what he is doing in this world because of how he has loved us. When we talk about neighboring, it's not a noun, it's a verb. It's about who we are and what we do. The definition that we use here for neighboring at Westgate is this is that when we're talking about neighboring, we are talking about intentionally building relationships within our circles so people will know the love of Jesus. And it's not a I have to or I have an obligation. It is a joy that flows from God's love for us. So as we've been in this this five-year initiative together and we talk about having a broad reach into our community that flows from our love for God, Having a broad reach is about intentionally sharing God's love with our neighbors. In other words, anybody that God would bring into our circles, into our spheres of influence. And as we began this initiative, talking specifically about the area of broad reach, uh, we set out some goals for us. That over the next five years, we want to see 250 new households connecting into the life of West K Chapel. Not just from, you know, transfer church growth that often happens in a community, but truly from us being intentional about reaching our neighbors. But then secondly, we also want to see 250 people that have been baptized and or made new professions of faith to follow Jesus Christ in their life. And there have been a many ways over this past year that we have seen incredible fruit in this space, as well as a church as we have sought to encourage you to think about who God has placed in your circle, but also how we as a church do what I call Westgate neighboring, which is God has placed this church in a community with a one to two mile radius that surrounds us, where we want them not only to know that we exist, but that we're a people that love them, that want to share the love of Jesus Christ with them. And we have been working hard this year to begin to take steps to ingrain ourselves into the community for this purpose. And many of you have gotten involved. I actually want to invite uh, a couple of people on stage this morning. I'm going to begin here with Maggie George. Would you welcome Maggie as she comes and makes that really long, dangerous journey across the stage now? Um, Uh, Maggie, one of the ways that we uh, wanted to begin, one, to care for the needs of people in our church, but also to provide a resource for our community, but also to provide a resource for you, because so many of you have people in this place in life that need something like this is that we have started a grief share ministry we've actually been able to do that with another church here in our building and have been promoting that and maggie has been instrumental in helping to get this launched and maggie i would just ask you to share with us this morning how has grief share impacted your life and what has excited you in some sense about this class uh first class that we've done and as we are beginning our second one
5: You all, that, um, yeah, a few years back I kind of found myself thrust into this season that was really marked by a lot of loss. Um, a lot of people in my life died in a very short amount of time. And about an eight week time, I lost um, uh, three uncles, my mom passed away, and we lost a pregnancy. And I have described that season of life as feeling like my world was spiraling out of control and I was left to free fall. Um, But during that time, I also got connected with a Grief Share group at another church. And Grief Share became kind of like this parachute that opened over me and allowed me a safe way to land. Um, Through Grief Share, I was able to put language around what was going on in my mind and in my heart. And it gave me a community of people who understood how I was feeling. A lot of my um, normal everyday community, like they cared, but they just didn't quite understand. And so to weekly be able to sit in a community of people who were also grieving and processing the death of a loved one was really helpful to me. Um and so it became clear that, yeah, that Westgate and our church family here and those in our community might really benefit from something like that. So, in partnership with like Rob said with another church, um, we began a grief share class here. And the facilitators that all participated in it, we all actually came from four different churches and came together to offer this. Um, we had 23 people attend in the spring. Uh, Some of those from within our church body, some of those just stumbled on us. Um, And yeah, so Rob asked what was kind of exciting about that. You know, it's really hard for me to use exciting and grief share together because I'm really sad for the reason that somebody would need something like a grief share program. Um, But what was really beautiful and encouraging was to watch the transformation that took place over those 13 weeks that we met together. Uh, The first few weeks when you show up to something like Grief Share, um, you try to talk about your loved one, and nothing comes out but the tears, and that's completely okay. That's exactly where we all should be, but over the course of the next several weeks, we just saw so much healing and hope happening um, and By the end, we were able to sit around tables together and celebrate what the Lord had done and we could talk about our loved ones, share photos, share mementos, and hold together both the the sadness and the grief from their loss um, with also the the joy and the hope um, that that we're holding on to and that we're going to be okay
1: that's really cool and how do you see as you just think about this ministry and having having gone through it over the first class and with our second class going, how do you see it as an opportunity for us to share the love of Jesus with our community?
5: Yeah. So our, um, second time offering grief share is happening right now. We're only halfway through. And so it is not, uh, too late to plug into that. If you or somebody that, you know, could benefit from something like that. Um, one of the most special things to me was to get to communicate with people who, um, they, they, Whatever they would make an inquiry via, via the Grief Share website or sign up via that website, I would get an email, and then I'd have the opportunity to talk with that person. And when I would, when I would ask, how did you hear about Grief Share, and how did you hear about the Westgate Chapel Grief Share class, they would say something to the effect of, um, I have a friend or a family member who lives in another city or state, and they went through Grief Share and they suggested that I look into it. So when I went to the Grief Share website, I found Westgate and I thought, oh, I just live five minutes from there. Or they would say, I'd been to Westgate when you guys did, and they would fill in the blank with some event that we did where we invited the community into our church building or they knew somebody that was connected here. And so they felt comfortable taking that first step. It's a really scary thing to go to a bereavement support group in a place you don't go and without people that you know, Um, but they felt safe and comfortable doing that because of you guys, because you guys made that accessible to them. So, if that's something that you feel like um, you or somebody that you love would benefit from, we have these postcards on a table out across from the chapel. You can go to westgatechapel.org/events um, or look in the Westgate Chapel app to get info. We also have a one-time standalone um, event called. Grief Share Surviving the Holidays that's coming up on November 6th. There will be more info about that, but that's geared towards specifically helping people navigate the holidays when they're grieving. Um, So just know that that those things are available.
1: Awesome. Would you thank Maggie for sharing with us this morning about that? You know one of the other places that we have uh, been partnering with in our community is with one of our local elementary schools, Door Elementary. And if you have not had the opportunity to meet, this is Julianne, our outreach and missions director here at the church. And uh, we have been developing this partnership with Door Elementary because we believe that God has given us the ability to meet real, tangible, specific needs and to share the love of Jesus with people in our community, and this seems like such a great way to do so. And Jules, would you share with us just a little little bit about some of the fruit that we've seen this year as we've begun to develop this relationship. And tell us a little bit about how we can continue to get involved in the year to come.
6: I'd love to. Yeah. So this uh, elementary school is within our two mile radius. And the history is before I started working here. And I've been here 11 years. So you guys have been carrying different ways of supporting them through meals and um, carnivals and things around the the neighborhood. But when we were doing our unfinished initiative and our elders and staff were out prayer walking, canvassing the neighborhoods, just really asking God for open doors, we specifically went to Doors Campus and said, God, what are the doors here? What, What could you open to do more to meet tangible needs, to show and share the gospel to this community. And God has just been opening doors in these last couple of years. It's been so fun. Um, some of the things that have happened include Community One and Keith Sponseller going and building an outdoor amphitheater. It was just an idea that we were able to bring to life. An amphitheater is more like an outdoor classroom for the kids to, um, to have during the school day. So we did this service project. Um, from there, our middle schoolers found the, li- the list of all the teachers and wrote um, personal notes notes of encouragement to all the teachers with a small gift and took them over there during COVID. That was awesome. Um, we've had people, life groups, Bible studies, families come help us with our community events. So as we keep showing up and asking God to help us show and share the gospel with the, the students and their families, with the staff, and then with the parents club, the doors open. And so we've been invited to help with our the Howling Howler, as well as the um, Dragon Fest in May, which are just their family events. And we get to be the hands and feet to really pull these events off. It's a great partnership. It's been so cool.
1: It is. And you've gotten a number of thank yous in the so, process.
6: I've gotten so many emails, so many personalized emails. But this is one of my favorites. We've got big posters, whatever. But this one says, thank you, Westgate Chapel. There's a picture of our team um, combined with the Parents Club. And each class went through and wrote us a note and each kid signed saying, thank you, Westgate Chapel. We couldn't do these events without you. And that was what the note said. So there's just been such a beautiful encouragement. Again the doors are opening we're keeping our hands open and wanting to just really show and share the gospel. So if you want to be part of our door missional team uh, Monica Corbett is our liaison but we have opportunities to do these Community church-wide events. So the next one is October 25th, a Wednesday night. If you and a group want to host like a trunk or treat, but really you're decorating a table and passing out candy, that would be awesome. We're looking for people that want to go in during the day and read with kids. If you want to uh, sign a background check and have that run, they would. They're looking for people to just sit with kids and read. Awesome. And um, we have more opportunities. I'll share in a couple minutes. But God is really been opening the doors with door and we love it it's super fun when you talk about the joy there's a lot of joy in this partnership. there
1: is a lot of joy and it's exciting to see what's happening so I'd encourage you if if as you pray and you ask God God how would you have me to get involved in reaching the community that surrounds us there are many opportunities especially in this relationship uh, that we have been developing here I wanted to just quickly as well just share with you as we talked about our different goals that we had uh, for the five-year initiative in the space of having a broad reach as we develop these relationships, uh, we have been able to see over this past year, as we're striving for 250 new households connected at Westgate, over 43 new households are connected. Connected means here, brand new, serving, engaged, in small groups, and in enjoying uh, the family of God here at Westgate Chapel. And this is exciting to see that growth begin to take place. But as well, I think one of the things that I get excited about, and I hope this will just make your heart leap for joy is that we have seen this past year already 35 people be baptized to make a profession of faith to follow uh, Jesus Christ with their whole heart. But even bigger, 38 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ just this year. Is that incredible? Glory to God. God is good. I'm telling you. As a pastor who, like, has a denomination that sends me an annual report every year that I have to fill out online. And every year you have to fill out that thing that says, how many people came to Christ? Can I tell you? I've been at Westgate for 14 years. Started as the high school pastor, now the lead pastor. But I can remember so many years where it was, like, sad to fill out the number on that line. Maybe one. Maybe three. Two. And as I look back this year and I think about what God has been doing as his spirit has been moving as you have been faithful to invite your friends and your neighbors as you have been reaching out personally to them to see that 38 people have made a profession of faith this year, that is incredible. And I'm excited because in the next many weeks, especially as we move towards baptism, you're going to get to hear some of those stories of what God has been doing in people's life and how they have been coming to faith because of your faithfulness to going and sharing the gospel. But as we think about this year to come, there are a couple other things that I wanted to highlight for you this morning of ways to get involved and to be engaged. And one of those, as you heard in our video this morning, is our Mom Life Ministry that is going to be launching. And again, I'm going to invite Alyssa Baker to join me, and Maggie is going to come on back as well as she is helping out with that. But our Mom Life Ministry is really branched because years ago, Westgate Chapel had a very thriving uh, MOPS ministry here at the church to meet the needs of moms of preschoolers, and the testimonies that I can remember all the way back when we had it, but also that I have heard, is that not only did it really meet the needs of people in our church, but it was a ministry that truly was an opportunity for people that were involved to invite their non-believing friends, but also was a place where people in the community would go, this is a season of life where I need help and community, and they would come, and they had the opportunity to experience the love of Jesus, and many people Found the love of Jesus and gave their hearts to Him through that ministry, and so we are excited for that purpose to be launching it again this year. And uh, Alyssa and Maggie have been a huge part of that as we've been dreaming together and preparing for the launch that is happening this week. And would you guys maybe just share briefly uh, a little bit about what you're excited about as we launch into this ministry this week?
7: Yeah, um, we want to acknowledge that mothering of all ages and stages is is difficult, but what makes this um, particular stage difficult is that mothering a preschooler, a mom is most of the time just still trying to figure it all out. And um, the the kids are still relying on mom for everything and that's exhausting. And the calling of motherhood is a blessing, but sometimes navigating the challenges that comes with that um, takes a patience that um, we can't muster up on our own. So I've been a part of a mom's ministry for years And there's something about sitting at the table with other moms in that season that just lets us take a step back and say, yes, this is hard, but we serve a God who is bigger, and he wants what's best for us and for our kids. And I'm no longer a mom of a preschooler, but um, I want to come alongside these moms and just share wisdom and help them develop spiritually connected friendships and build up their faith. And what I love about this ministry is that it is approachable for a mom to reach out to a friend or someone in the community that may not know Jesus, and they, they can connect um, over this season that they do share.
1: That's awesome. Maggie?
7: Yeah.
5: Um, Well, I shared in first service that I met Alyssa through a mom's ministry that she was helping to lead. And so I'm really thankful for that spiritually connected friendship. Um, But when we first started talking and dreaming and praying about mom life, um, and even just that name, what immediately came to mind for me was John 10.10, that um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says that I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And the moms that I know... um, and I, and I do still have a preschooler at home. The moms that I know, like we are trying so desperately hard to get it right, um, but we do feel exhausted sometimes. And it is easy to lose sight of the fact that jesus is the place where we find life and so what we want to do really is just to create a community where um, moms can be can be pointed and directed back to the lord back to jesus as being the place where we find true and abundant life um, but also yeah moms who maybe don't know jesus yet could come and be curious and ask questions um, and and explore topics of faith and spirituality uh, and just do that in a community of of peers
1: Now, Maggie, let me ask you this as well, as as if there are moms that are out here this morning that are in this stage of life, this season, and they would like to be a part of it, or even more importantly, every person in this room that may potentially know someone in this season of life, that this would be such a great way for them to connect uh, and to find encouragement as well. Tell us, uh, again, just when is it happening and how can people get connected?
5: We are starting this Wednesday. It will meet 9.30 to 11 on the first and third Wednesday of the month, Wednesdays of the month. Um, You can get more info and sign up by going to the Westgate Chapel app or, again, westgatechapel.org slash events. Um, We've also got a table right across from the chapel over here with some additional information, some postcards. Um, You can take a postcard and there's a QR code that will take you directly to sign
1: up. Awesome. And then Alyssa, uh, the one thing I do love as well about this ministry is that, uh, you know, we may say, oh, well, that only is for moms of preschoolers, but we need people of all ages involved in serving in so many different capacities. What are a couple of ways that people could get involved to help uh, reach out and to share the love of Christ with people in this season and uh, who could they connect with?
7: Um, We would love if moms of all generations, if you've been through that season and you have a specific testimony of how Jesus met you in that season, we, and you want to share that, we would love to hear it, and we would love to schedule you um, a meeting so that you can share that with the other moms. And also our biggest need right now is for child care. We are providing childcare for these moms of littles so that they can fully engage in their discussion groups. And so if you want to play with some fun kids for an hour and a half, once or twice a month, um, we would love to connect you in... And so you can do that for those moms. And in order to do that, you can um, find Maggie or myself, or you can email B at westgatechapel.org.
1: Awesome. Would you thank Maggie and Alyssa for coming and sharing that with us also this morning? Uh, two two last things. One, as uh, Julianne joins me again, uh, one thing that we have been pressing into is a ministry that is called Keep Watch. It is a prayer ministry in our schools. And Jules, tell us just a little bit about it. And if people are interested in being involved, it is a significant way to make an impact in yeah, our community. so Keep
6: Watch started in the Toledo area. Wendy Yeager had this vision a couple years back, and it has grown into... Um, not only just the schools of Toledo, over 100 schools in Toledo, but also um, in now counties and I think seven different states, there's always more numbers of people just jumping into praying in the public schools and Christian schools where, where students are. And so the way that it works is you can pray before school or after school, not during school hours, but once you get permission, we send in teams of one or two people to just be present and Uh, you're praying for the staff, you're praying for the students, you're praying over lockers, you're being available. Often we've seen fruit with um, the staff and faculty coming and almost waiting for the keep watch person to be like, who's who's coming to pray? Sarah Just is one of our prayers. Uh, Kathy Douglas is praying in Sylvania schools. Cindy Stein is our liaison, but we are looking for someone to also pray at door. So this is a really cool opportunity that we just get to partner with what God is already doing. And if you want to join us, we would love to connect you and see if we can get more of our people uh, reaching out in the Way.
1: That's great. And no doubt we have been also talking a lot over the past year, couple, many years actually, about personal neighboring. It's the idea that we talked about in the message this morning is that God has given each of us a circle or a sphere of influence where he is placing people in our lives that need to know Christ Mm -hmm. and that we have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with. And Jules, uh, we have a vision for this year specifically to have two opportunities collectively as a church where we will neighbor uh, at specific times together. And one is coming up soon. Tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah,
6: you guys are neighboring. I can look and start saying, oh, I know how you're neighboring, you're neighboring, neighboring. It's awesome. And we also know Uh, Out of our heart flow, sometimes we have these ideas and we're like, oh, that would be awesome. Maybe I'll get to that. Maybe I'll get to that. And so we're having two set apart times to really focus in together. Again, just super practical, not just a checklist, but sometimes it is helpful when you put some structure and we do it together. So we are going to have a week this fall where we are going to all intentionally reach out to the people in our circles, our personal circles, our workplace, our schools, our Um, neighborhoods, whatever it may be where you have reach, we're going to intentionally kind of send our church out Our week of neighboring will be October 15th through 21st. Our first step today, we want to invite you to just start praying. That's the first step to everything, and then we do it the whole way through. We know that that is the best way to to approach uh, this lifestyle, walking with Jesus and showing and sharing the gospel. After we pray next week, we're going to start, have an opportunity to kind of say, who's the person God has put in your life? Who in your heart, maybe talk to your life group about it, and then next week we can Declare who that is and we will have a big wall of places of people that we're going to be praying for together then we have a month to put it together if you will um, what it might be and so when we talk about neighboring again super practical we have the idea of taking something maybe a gift to somebody writing a note of encouragement uh, bringing somebody a meal there's that at that action of giving we invite people in, so into your home for a meal, out for a coffee. There's a invite gathering, maybe a little block party or something like that, a small group. And then also the third thing is inviting to church. Those are three super practical ways that you could do. So we're inviting people to come on October 22nd. So we've made a resource table also on the app and the website. We have um, opportunities to... The share the three circles, that's a way to share your faith. That's a simple evangelism tool. Evangelism is just a word for sharing sharing the good news. I'd love to explain more about that so we have kind of the language. We have invite postcards back to Westgate for that October 22nd service. We have a neighboring booklet which just helps you plan out the the details of gathering people or inviting to church. And then in the last page of our neighboring booklet, we have just this really practical list that we actually put on the last page of the sermon notes, which is just how to help people in their spiritual journey. So this whole thing, again, is we don't save people. Jesus saves people, thank God. Uh, But we can invite people to take a step closer towards him. So as you're figuring out what it looks like, here's some ideas of how to share the gospel, how to share your story, how to ask good questions. And so these are some of our tools we have available to really make this practical.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Jules. You know, as I was thinking about that this week, I have been thinking about the people that God has placed specifically in my own life, in my own circle, where he wants me to be sharing with them the love of Jesus. One of the things that I've recognized is that so often I get so busy with my own people and all of the things going on in my life that it feels at times like that just gets pushed out to the edges. That's kind of weird to say as a pastor, I'll be honest with you. But I think some of you guys can relate. It is so easy for us to take the things that are closest to the heart of God and to not give them a primary place in our own life, but kind of set them off on the side as maybe something I'm supposed to do, really should do, but maybe I don't have the time to do. I hope that what you catch this morning as we've gone through God's word together and we've been sharing about these things that have been happening and that will be happening and ways that we can be involved together is this, is that our passion and our heart for reaching people and sharing the love of Jesus with them doesn't flow from a place of having a checklist of something I have to do or feeling obligated. It flows when we allow ourselves to sink deep roots into Christ and allow the things that are most important to his heart become the things that are most important to ours. And so what we're asking you to do as we move towards this neighboring initiative that Julianne was just talking about is to begin by praying and going to the Lord and remembering all that he has done for you, but then praying and saying, God, who have you placed in my circle that you want me to intentionally share the love of Jesus with? Maybe that's intangible actions and also maybe even with words but would you be willing to take that step and to do that together as a church in this next month? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray? I'm gonna ask you in just these next few moments, as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I want you just to, I'm not gonna pray. I'm just gonna walk off stage and then we're gonna sing a song in a minute, but I want you to just quietly for about 30 seconds, ask the Lord this, God, Who have you put in my circle that you want me to intentionally share Christ's love with? Ask him to give you a face. Ask him to show you a name. Maybe you already know. And so your prayer following that is, Lord, would you give me courage to take steps to share his love, to share your love with them? And this moment of silence as the music plays, Would you just pray that prayer? And next week, as Julianne said, we're gonna come back. We're gonna have some boards up here. We're gonna actually ask you to come up during worship and put the initials of the name of that person that God puts on your heart this week up on a wall so that something we can see and over this next month, be praying for one another intentionally that we would be sharing God's love with these individuals. So let's quietly pray and seek the Lord together. close our service this morning, asking God to send us. We're also going to be sending uh, two people that we love very much. As you guys have known, and you may be seated, uh, over the last uh, couple months, we've been letting you know that uh, Pastor Dave and Renee are going to be making a transition uh, to move closer to their kids and family in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, And, uh, you know, we've been praying desperately that as well as you move closer, lots of grandkids hopefully coming soon for you guys to be loving on but um, uh, uh, Dave has served as our executive pastor here for about four four and a half years ish, somewhere in that. Renee has served in our kids ministry in so many different capacities. They have taught classes, but even more than being in official positions in our church, many of you know and have experienced that you guys have truly ingrained yourself into our lives. And uh, you have spent time counseling people and being with people in some of their hardest times, inviting people into your homes and loving them when they most desperately needed it. And I would say that in so many ways, you have truly been Christ to us. And we as a church want to say thank you for your ministry here with us over these past many years. Would you thank Dave and Renee? And, uh, you know, I'm going to invite our elders and staff to just come up here. We're going to pray over you guys as we uh, send you out. But as they're coming, Dave, Dave and Renee, would the two of you just share uh, with us a little bit of what you're going to be doing, what God has called you to for your next next position?
8: Yeah, thanks. Uh, and, and I want to start by saying what a joy it has been to uh, have moved uh, into full-time ministry here at the church, a privilege Wow, has God done a work in yeah. me over these past handful of years and um, hopefully helped uh, do some things through me. I had just someone comment uh, earlier today just to say, wow, the connections that you've made, you've made an impact on others. And Lord, I hope that that's true. The Lord has opened another door in uh, in the chapter of our lives. I'm very excited about um, saying that I'm going to become the uh the leader of the michigan affiliate of the national christian foundation and this is a really a lovely organization that uh, just in michigan has raised hundreds of millions of dollars over the past several years to give to solely christian organizations to ministry and it is truly building the kingdom by inspiring biblical generosity really suits my past and present gifts, and uh, I'm just super excited about that opportunity to grow in a different way.
2: Yeah, and so as many of you know, I work in early childhood education, and so I've been given just a gift of um, about 110 children, all in the same building, so pray for me, 110 children um, that I will get to love and care for and nurture, about 22 staff that work with these beautiful children and their families, and so God has given me the gift of leading this program that has been um, struggling for years to do what is best and good and right for kids, so I'm excited about that. I will say, as much as Dave and I have loved you, have loved us so we thank you yeah.
1: well uh, church family would you uh would you stand with us and uh let's pray together over dave and renee father we uh we thank you for dave and renee we thank you god for how you brought them here to this church Lord, how you just ingrained them into this community, but especially into our lives. Father, I thank you for the giftedness that you've given them and the way that it has been such a blessing to so many of us. Father, we truly have seen you. Uh, in many ways through, uh, through their love for you and their love for us. And so, Lord, I, uh, I want to pray your special blessing as they move uh, closer to family and to their kids. I just pray that you would continue to nourish and bless those relationships with their old, uh, adult children. Bring many grandkids in the years to come, Lord. Fill their life with such joy. But Lord, I pray your special blessings over Renee as she oversees these kids and these families and all those who are seeking to minister to them. Lord, would you give her everything that she needs to dispense your grace and your love in their life, that they would know the love of Jesus because of that ministry. And Father, we pray the same over Dave, Lord, that you would expand his territory and his role in this new position. Uh, Lord, that you would bring out even new giftings and continue to develop him as he follows you, seeking to help those who have much invest what they have in things that will build your kingdom. Would you show them favor so that many people, Father, the multiplication that happens, the greatest multiplication that happens would not be financial resources, but lives that are saved because of your son, Jesus Christ. And so Lord, give them everything that they will need bind them together in you, Lord. And we send them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. As we... uh... As we close our service this morning, I would just remind you, if you have any prayer needs, uh, Jim Eckert is over here on the side by the stairs, part of our prayer team. Would love the opportunity to pray with you or even go over to the prayer room as well. Life group signups are happening and we have punch and cookies and fun with Dave and Renee in the atrium. Be sure to stop by and share your love with them. God bless you, church. Have a great week serving the Lord.